0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. This week, we're breaking down the Outlaw Tour event. That's right. You heard me say that, the Outlaw Tour event. And to help me break everything down for this week, uh, let's bring in Golf Writer from The Score and my buddy, it's Eric Patterson. Hey, Epat.
1: How are we doing, Rick? This is uh, this is a new one for maybe everyone, the Outlaw Tour. This is a desperate times call for desperate measures, but I'm looking forward to it.
0: We made it. We 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 are finally at the point of quarantine and no sports where we are breaking down uh, the betting options for a mini tour tournament. I can't believe we got here so quickly. It's been like five weeks.
1: I mean these these guys have been running this entire time and it's helping me keep sane. So um I've been tracking it for a while. Um it's it's interesting, it's fun. You know, you gotta go through Instagram to see highlights and stuff, but it's uh it's quite a, a challenge, but you know, gets you get you through the week.
0: Yeah, you are our uh resident mini tour expert i would say because uh, i don't know
1: don't use the expert <laughs> word
0: <laughs> you you've at least put in a, a much more time than the rest of us on on some of these mini tours so i mean uh, let, let's start with with what the outlaw tour is and we, we were kind of joking um you know off air like oh if you've got like two thousand bucks you can play this but it's it's kind of not really a jokey pat right there's really no qualification process that you have to go through to play something like this right
1: um no i guess you just want to you want to pay the entry fee you think you have the game good enough it it's uh maybe when you say you know it's like two thousand bucks to sign up as a member a thousand bucks a week to play It just kind of goes to show how hard it is to make it as a pro golfer and how expensive it can be
0: yeah. some of these guys
1: are you know really good um grinding away on you know when you hear people grinding on mini tours what does that mean but this is what they do every week you know they three uh three round events you know miss the cut you're out a a grand or two so it's uh it's an expensive endeavor but these guys um you know they're keeping us entertained um we'll go through the list here but there are some quality golfers some names we'll recognize so um yeah this is the best field we've seen since the players and that's saying something
0: (laughs) that is true And, and you're right i mean the first prize last week uh, so if you paid your, you know, eight hundred and fifty bucks, if you paid your two thousand for the membership, and you went out and won last week, it got you three thousand. So this is certainly not a money making endeavor for a lot of these guys. The Outlaw Tour kind of promotes itself as spring training for competitive professional golf. So the way that I understand that EPAT is, you keep your game sharp, you get your competitive juices flowing, you can make a little bit of money uh, if you play well, and then you try to obviously move up the ranks, play other mini tour events. And then obviously the ultimate goal is you end up with a, a PGA tour card.
1: Yeah. As, as we will go through it, but a lot of these guys do play, there's a few of them who are on the corn Ferry tour uh, McKenzie tour here in Canada. Um, maybe some Latino America guys. So they are, you know, trying to find their Avenue to the PGA tour. Um, and this is, you'll hear it. There's a, I think Ted Potter jr. Is like a legend on these mini tours. So, <laughs> guys do eventually make it so um maybe maybe in a few years we'll see some of these names that we're talking about today
0: i think i saw that there has i'm i'm gonna butcher this stat but there's like five guys that have either played on the outlaw tour or won on the outlaw tour and then have gone on to get tour cards or win tour events something like that so there there are there will be some alum that you've heard of um so it's not you know it's not completely bottom of the barrel. And now in this, in this you're, we're hearing names and we'll go through them. As you mentioned names that we know that are going down to play in Arizona, because that's where basically uh, i kind of talked about this with, with Cheyenne woods, Arizona is the Mecca of, of golf right now in the United States because they've got the most courses open. So that's where all this stuff's going on. Right.
1: Yeah. And the uh, outlaw tour, the name says it all right there. These guys, <laughs> they don't care about the laws going, <laughs> going against the grain right now. Um, all, all the eyeballs are on them. So they're going to take advantage.
0: And they've kind of leaned into it, Eric, because they extended their season, I believe, by three or four events, right?
1: That's correct, yeah.
0: And they're also uh, catering to the betting to the DraftKings demographic as much as possible uh, because they're actually sending guys out there to live kind of periscope uh, these these rounds. So they, they threw up a Twitter poll, hey, which group do you want us to follow? Uh, whichever the winning group was, they followed them around on Periscope all day. And if you remember, I mean, we've been at the, if you are outlaw tour uh, seasoned vets like you and I, EPAT, we remember three weeks ago when you were only getting scoring updates every nine holes. Now we're getting them in much more real time.
1: Yeah, they, uh, I guess it's on the players to input their scores after every hole, which is kind of (laughs) interesting. So you'll see guys not put any scores in, or last week there was a guy who's he was, you know, an ode to the mini tour, but there was a guy who was trying to break a hundred and he was still posting his score. So that was cool to see. Uh, but uh, it's, it's on them and it's, you know, it keeps us engaged because yeah, like you said, the not every nine holes was tough, tough to follow. But now that it's every hole, it does make it a little more interesting.
0: And as we are starved for golf action, uh, you know, your, your book of choice might be offering outlaw tour bets or uh, draft has a single round round one where the uh the first place is $50,000. So we are now at the point where DraftKings first prizes are more than the actual athletes going out to play and what they would earn in for first place. So we are at uh th- this is it man. This is it, Epat. We're mainstream now.
1: This is big and these you know the the prize pools have like tripled since I guess 2 weeks ago maybe when it started. So People are playing it, and uh, they're following it. So, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm excited to dive in.
0: Well, let's do it. Let's dive in. Uh, this week is the GCU Championship, which stands for Grand Canyon University Championship. So this is being played at Grand Canyon University Golf Course in Phoenix, Arizona. And this is a major. This is a major on the Outlaw Tour. So you've got bigger prize pools. And this is a three-round event uh, running Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. GCU golf course is a par 71, about 7,200 yards or so. And there are 87 players in the field, Eric. Now, before we actually jump into the names, I think when we start kind of handicapping this and looking at who can actually win, I think there are, I don't know, there might be like two or three different types of players here. you're, You're going to have players that play on this tour or play on this mini tour a lot and they have like past results and then you might have guys that are on the corn Ferry tour uh have played on the euro tour have played on the pga tour and are just trying to find a place to play so they're coming down here and, and playing the outlaw tour in arizona how do you kind of rank one against another here if you know what i mean
1: yeah it's tough you have a a lot of you know colliding worlds right now there's um, you know, people have been playing a lot in these, in these events, there's guys who play every maybe once a month. So it's really hard to track who's been playing well, other than the guys who have been playing on a week to week basis. Um, and that's, I think you're going to find, you know, odds discrepancies, pricing discrepancies ownership, um, will obviously be geared towards guys, um, as familiar as these names are though. If you've been playing every week, you'll see these guys you're like, Oh yeah, he played well last week. Um, and then there's people who might be better than them um, who just haven't been playing and they'll go completely under own because no one's ever heard of them. Um, right. So it's, you got to definitely figure out right now. This is, this week's definitely interesting with maybe we'll just get to it. There's JJ spawns playing PGA tour pro uh, number of top fives on the PGA tour. Um, he's kind of headlining the field, kind of creating a buzz as to why he's playing. Um, uh, it's definitely an interesting dynamic with him here, and then there's Callum Hill, who is a European Tour rookie, but he, he did pretty well on the Challenge Tour last year. He got promoted, and he's already won on the on the Outlaw Tour. So that's right. Um, there's just a number of guys, and and then you have the, the Outlaw Tour grinders. So familiar names that we'll get to, but just you know, a, a, quite a collection of players. <laughs>
0: For sure, I believe I believe Callum Hill, uh, number 136th in the world. I believe he's the lowest ranked player in the world at my quick quick glance here. Uh, Dylan Wu, 304th in the world. JJ Spawn, 325th. So there are some names that you'll recognize, and we'll get into uh, some of the Outlaw Tour regs. But um, as far as strategy goes, if you are playing some of these. DraftKings contests, uh, they're dealing under showdown rules, Eric, which is much different than an entire tournament. Uh, it is kind of jacked up on scoring. You want guys that are able to go really, really low. And these, and these contests are, are only one round. So that $50,000 up top that we mentioned, that's for round one. Eric, that's not for the entire tournament. <laughs> Presumably, there might be a a similar prize pool or something for rounds two and rounds three here. But um, I, I think, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, we're, we're looking for birdie makers. We're looking for guys that can go really low because of that kind of jacked up uh, scoring model that they use for these these showdown slates.
1: Yeah, the results the results of these contests sway heavily on, you know, like you said, birdies birdie streaks if you can put an eagle in there it's like completely game changing um bogey bogey free rounds i think are worth five points so those are big um yeah you you want to attack guys who make a lot of birdies but it's kind of hard with the limited data that we have to figure out who those guys are um there are people who are a little more prone but they're also extremely prone to to bogeys uh we'll get we'll touch on some of those names but um there it's the, the scoring fluctuates so quickly you can be leading and then you can be completely out of the money within, you know, if some guy puts in his back nine score altogether, you, your, your score could plummet pretty quickly. Um, I remember I was, last week I was sweating a guy, I kind of lingering in the money and then he came in with a back nine 41, um, which, which is a tough one to handle. And that's a lot of negative points. So, um, it's fun, but yeah, it, the, the swings are pretty drastic.
0: Four weeks ago, maybe it was three weeks ago. I was randomly just clicking names. I did not know anything about anyone, and I was like, "That's a cool name. Like, this is interesting. Let me just get guys that you know equal forty nine thousand eight hundred dollars or something like that." Uh, happy to say, I'm much more familiar with these guys now. And uh, do you have any bets in on this week? You don't tell me who they are yet, but do you have any bets in?
1: Uh, yeah, I have three, which is <laughs> so I <will> mean, I. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but it's not not the end of the world. It's I thought I thought there could be some good spots. There's some numbers on guys that we're seeing that were, you know, favorites a couple of weeks ago, and it's kind of surprising to see where they are now, yeah. um, just because of the influx of talent for this week. But um, some opportunities there to to maybe hit a winner outside of the because on these events, if you go back through the results, you'll see that the favorites do typically win just because they are that much better than the rest of the the yeah. field. Um, Alex Checo, Juan Callum Hill, like we mentioned. So there's. The the top of the top ta- the top tier talent typically does win out over a, a three round event,
0: especially because we kind of talked about the requirements of getting in here. Uh, yeah. it produces a a much wider range of players, right? The top 125 players on the PGA Tour, maybe outside of players one through ten, and the rest, like players twenty through one hundred fifty, are very very close, right? And we talk about this all the time a half a shot in your scoring average over the course of a year is the difference between like millions of dollars or losing your tour card uh, on the PGA tour. Cause all those guys are so close, not necessarily the same here. So as you mentioned, what I've been noticing as well, and I don't normally do this is the top end guys are the best guys for a reason. And it's a much wider range of, of skill sets we see.
1: Yeah. W- but with that said though, and, in- you know, the way DK set up, um, the top guys, you're going to have to go to the, to the low tier and those guys can, they can flirt with 80 just as easily <laughs> as they can, you know, break six, break 70. So it's, uh, you got to avoid the, the guys who just, you don't have it and they don't have it more often than they do. So it's, it kind of leans you into a more of a balanced build where you're, I think, believe it was last week, I looked at the winner's lineup and the highest price guy you had was 9200 So it wow. kind of goes to show the, the line of construction that kind of wins out for these things.
0: All right, well, you've got three bets in. I've got three bets in. So that's a perfect tease. We'll, we'll reveal those on the other side and we'll dive into this, this betting board and talk about some of these golfers. But first, let's take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Uh, okay, Epat, uh, now's the time. Let's let's dive into this. So you have already mentioned uh, JJ Spawn, who, depending on where you get him, he's either eight to one or nine to one. He's one of the the favorites uh, to this uh, to, in this event. Excuse me. I mentioned that he's the 325th ranked player in the world, but he hasn't. Pl- okay, this is where this gets really hard, Eric. He hasn't played well on the PGA Tour. Only four finishes inside the top fifty in his last 17 starts, but like if you're finishing 50th on the PGA tour, that makes you like the favorite in the outlaw tour, right? Like this is really yeah. weird dynamic to try to figure this out.
1: Yeah. Spawn spawns an interesting case this week. Cause he opened at um, 16 and 14 to one on certain sites. So he's been bet down obviously cause, just because of the name and people are going to be, um, and I looked at his official world golf ranking page. He hasn't played a competitive event since the Genesis, which feels like two years ago at this point but it was I guess early mid-February so it's been a while since Spawn has played um and kind of a little inside scoop here I saw he was playing with Austin Kaiser who's Xander Shoffley's caddy this week um so I just messaged uh Austin out of the blue I said how did Spawn look what's what's kind of what's he up to and Austin said that uh he beat Spawn, so save your money is what he oh, said to me. <laughs> this is
0: so good. We're getting inside information on the Outlaw Tour right now. Epat bring the heat. This is
1: this is the fun I have, you know, guy diving in through Instagram and seeing what these guys are up to. But um Austin's a good player in his own right, uh, which is one of the most common phrases about a PGA tour caddy. But yeah, um, anytime that you know a, a caddy's beating a pro, it's it's probably a tough look. Um, but who knows? Spawn could be shaking off the rust. Who knows what was Yeah, he really could be working on round.
0: things, but that is really interesting. Okay. So I'm good. Gl- okay. JJ spawn is not one of the guys that I bet, which I'm now very happy about. Uh, so we'll look at the other two kind of co-favorites again, depending on, on where you're getting these numbers. Caleb Hill, eight to one Dylan Wu, eight to one as well. Um, Hill, you mentioned it uh, has played well on the challenge tour. He actually won twice on the challenge tour in 2019. You'll kind of see him more, uh, more recently on the European tour. And this, this is the guy that I bet. Okay. So I, I, I bet, I bet Hill here at eight to one, he's the best player in the field in terms of official world golf rankings. And he's won on the outlaw tour, right? doesn't have to come out here and try to figure out what the heck this thing is. He won four weeks ago at the, I believe it was the Verado founders event. Uh, I don't know any of these tournament names, but he is a winner here. So this is where I invested my money, Eric.
1: Yeah. I like that call. Um Hill came, he's, he he won in his second event. So he showed up one week. He was maybe the second, first or second favorite and had a very middling result. I think it was like maybe tied for 14th or something. Um, and then the next week he came out and just kind of blew the competition away. He, I think it was wire to wire, um, just kind of dominated like he was probably supposed to, right. um, which is kind of a case to what Spawn might be going through this week. You know, he's trying to get a feel for it. Doesn't really get the vibe of the of the you know, the tournament, it's kind of a weird competition for him. So it's, um, Hills obviously acquainted himself to this tour and I think he should be the the favorite, um, just based on world ranking. And, you know, he's already won on this, on this tour, but, um, Dylan Wu, who's there at eight, eight to one as well. Yep. Um, kind of did what, Hill did. So Wu showed up last week, um, was the favorite or one of the top three and kind of had an okay result. So I could see him, you know, he's got his feet wet. Now he could come out with a strong result as well. Um, he's number three in the order of merit right now on the corn fairy tour. So a pretty solid player.
0: Yeah. He he's actually, I mean, as this year started, his corn fairy results were awesome. Um, he basically racked up five straight top 27s he had a second place finish a fourth place finish a seventh place finish in 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 those f- in that five uh start stretch so yeah i i actually as you were kind of talking about that i kind of was thinking maybe i should have bet dylan woo
1: instead as he's
0: kind of gearing in the in the right direction here so are are any of these three uh hill Wu or spawn are they on your betting slip for this week
1: uh no they're they're not i you know i typically avoid the top these guys the win equity is in these three players and Hill, Spawn, and Wu. Um, but I'm, you know, I, it's it's Outlaw Tour. I'm trying to have some fun here. I'm not, uh, I'm not gonna come back the favorite. But I I don't mind, you know, if Hill or Wu win by you know a few shots, I wouldn't be surprised at all. Okay.
0: Well, uh, the next tier of golfers, and I'm going to destroy these names here. So I apologize in advance. Oh my gosh. Okay. So at ten to one, I've got Mark Ang- Anguano uh, and then at 11 1 is last week's winner, uh, Nico Galetti, who won the legacy what is it called? Legacy shootout last week. Okay. Uh, then you've got this is I definitely can't pronounce this name, but it's KK Lim House, Lim Limba,
1: yeah. If you listen to their Instagram stories, they'll those guys, the commentators, nail the pronunciation. So it helps a little bit, but you did pretty well.
0: That's good work by you. We'll call him KK, and then followed up by the two brothers, uh, Jeremy Paul and Yannick Paul. Do you know anything about any of these guys? Uh, I've got a couple of notes here, but anything that points you in a specific direction in this next tier?
1: Uh, yeah, the these guys are these are where you get the out, these are the out, yes. outlaw tour grinders. These yes. are the recognizable names from the last few weeks that we've been paying attention to. Um, Mark Anagoyano, he. I butchered that for sure, but he, he won this turn or he won at this course in November. Um, so that's definitely a factor into his 10 to one price. Um, is, he, he played extremely well last week and KK did as well. Mm -hmm. Um, but the Paul brothers, these guys, I I believe they're twins, um, and their odds are the same and they, they shoot the same score almost all the time. So they're, (laughs) they're doing everything the same. Um, but yeah, uh, I think Jeremy came second in the event at in November and Yannick finished fourth. So their games are, you know, very similar. And, uh, you know, it's hard to differentiate, differentiate between the two, but I took, uh, Jeremy Paul at 18 to one.
0: Now these two, uh, there was a tweet from, I will have to find the source again, Monday qualifiers. In- yeah. He's
1: got them all. Okay. Case of the golf one.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, where, these two guys, the Paul brothers, have not shot a Paul, a round over par on the Outlaw Tour yet, which is obviously excellent. Um, Jeremy, his last two weeks, he goes sixth and seventh. Uh, Yannick goes second, fourth, and ninth in his last three starts. I mean, they're just piling up. They're knocking at the door. And these are the guys that are comfortable out here. Uh, they they know how it's all set up. It, they're, they're, there's going to be no surprises for them when it comes to this week. I, I like that a lot. How did you decide between between the two? Did you just pick one?
1: Uh, I think Jeremy closed better last week. So I just, I just, you know, ride the hot hand. I think he shot five under the final round of the legacy shootout. It's just, I think he's been putting, he's a little more consistent from what I see uh, than Yannick, his, his twin there. But uh, they're both... I mean, flip a coin. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two. I've never seen either of them. So <laughs> We're, my guess is as good as anyone else's, but I just, I'm leaning Jeremy. I think from what I've read from, from a case of the golf one, he kind of put together a sheet a while back. He's a little more reliable, dependable. So I just think he's prone, definitely more prone to be in contention than Yannick, but we'll see.
0: Okay. And then, um, I actually, my second bet here, uh, I did bet KK. OK, uh, this this is a guy I got him at 12 to one who finished third last week, uh second two weeks ago, 16th and then third. So he has three top three finishes in his last four starts. And as far as I can tell, because the um the stats on the outlaw tour are uh, necessarily the, the, the greatest thing ever. And sometimes there's different, you know, you got to combine two things. It's a little wonky. But from what I can tell. KK makes a ton of birdies, uh, which is the, is what I want in like draft scoring. And uh, the fact that he can kind of go very, very low, but I am worried that, that he's the type of player of what you kind of described at the top, which is like, yeah, he might go nuts and shoot 65, but like 75 is also in, in the realm of possibilities too. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't think he's that consistent.
1: Yeah. He, he does seem like he, he might be a little slow of a starter. Um, I think he lost a chica a few weeks ago um he cut he got out of the gates a little slow and then just couldn't really catch him and i think last week he he came out with a 70 in round one and then or 65 68 so just you got to put back to back 65s together or you're just not going to win so you can't really even have that two under round where you got to be consistently shooting six or seven under in these things so you definitely do want those birdie makers but KK has been a favorite for the last few weeks and m- maybe people are kind of over him now with all these, you know, new shiny objects. So he's, yeah. he's uh, definitely a sneaky under the radar favorite, if you will.
0: Okay. Uh, then the, the next group is, is, you know, I won't s- say them all here, but a couple of guys that are from the outlaw tour that, that kind of catch my uh, catch my eye. You've got Jimmy Gunn at 22 to one Carson Roberts at 25, along with uh, Colton Yates. Those are three names that we've seen play multiple times over the last month or so. Right.
1: Yeah. Yates won a few weeks ago. I think his win from what, again, this is, it's so <laughs> weird coming on here and talking about these guys. Like we know them for like years and years of watching them, but yeah. it's been a few weeks um, from what I've read and, and seen is uh Yates kind of, his win kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think he was making Eagles at a, an incredible clip that week that kind of propelled him to, uh, or sorry, Roberts. I'm looking at Carson and Colton. Carson Roberts' win came, kind of came out of nowhere. But uh, yeah, these are more of, the, more of the same grinders. One guy, for a DraftKings perspective, I think might fly under the radar is a name that we haven't seen yet This uh, in the last few weeks is Brent Grant. He is uh, – quick research on him shows that he's leading the Corn Ferry Tour in driving distance, and he's hitting 83% of his greens in regulation so far. So that definitely bodes well for this type of competition. Yeah. Um, and I believe that this course is a little longer than some of the courses they've been playing in the past. So I do think driving distance will be helpful. I saw that there's, you know, multiple par fours that are closing in on 500 yards. One of the par fives is 642 yards. So this course isn't necessarily short. Um, these guys have played 6,600 yard courses in the past. So 71, almost 7,200 is pretty long. So I'm going to, I like the driving distance aspect from Brent Grant. He said 25 to one, but I think he's going to be a decent play on DraftKings. Hoping to get lucky there.
0: Okay. I'm clicking Brent Grant's name now. I might fire a little, a little something on Brent Grant. I like that. Um, and then what I did. Okay. So, okay. Do you know this EPAT? So I've got 87 players in the field right now. What's their cut rules for this week? I feel like they've been kind of all over the place. Do you have any insight on that?
1: I truthfully don't know the cut rules. I know it's after round two. Right. Um. And it seems like maybe 20 guys or so make the cut. Yeah, it's, it's super uh, it's, small. Yeah, they really they narrow it down to the final round, Um, which I guess for for showdown purposes doesn't really matter. But um, I have seen people roster guys who do get cut for the third round showdown. So it's it's kind of interesting in that people aren't really paying attention sometimes.
0: Yeah, I was trying to figure. I was going back through the the leaderboards, and I was like, these all these cuts. I I, I don't know what the rules are, but they're always very small, and they're always like, yeah, less yeah, twenty or twenty five guys. Um, and then the I guess the final thing we should touch on about um, about DraftKings is even the final round. So that'll be the third round for this event. It does not include the finishing position. So they treat everything like, for example, round three showdown, and not round four showdown, which might incorporate. Finishing position, so you really are just looking at raw scoring, no matter what where they're at in the in the leaderboard. Epat.
1: Yeah, and that you'll see that um, ownership for the final round is geared heavily towards the leaders and the guys in the final group, which the last few weeks that's been paying off because the guys keeps, it seems that they keep, you know, shooting seven under, even in, if they're in the lead, but uh, you will get guys who have kind of been middling around even par. And then they'll come in with like an eight under round in the final round. Um, just go low alone. So the last round is that ownership's definitely uh, weighed heavily by based on where they are in the, in the leaderboard. So I don't know if people realize that, but um, it definitely seems that way.
0: I I would assume that the way to differentiate in round three showdown would be to not necessarily take guys that are on top of the leaderboard because you're right. I mean, you look back at last week, some of I mean, there were some really good rounds that, you know, guys ended up winning or finished second, but there were some good rounds from Matt Marshall who jumped from like, I don't know, 25th to 11th with a 66, like uh, Riley Wielden, Who's a guy I want to talk about who shot a 66 in the final round last week. There, there are, plenty of low scores out there and when their finishing position doesn't matter uh you got to consider it right
1: yeah i i've noticed that too um but again the guys who who are at the top of the leaderboard typically are the best players and they just keep pulling away so it's just it's one of those things where you might think you have an edge but you're just at some point you kind of got to swallow the ownership and do like galetti last week he was leading i was like ah, he's you know he's in the last group but he might he might only shoot four under he went out and shot seven under again it was just like this guy's just relentless so you do kind of have to um you know pick your spots
0: the last guy i want to talk about the last guy that made my card is riley Wielden, who i grabbed at 40 to 1 and this number just did not add up to me i could be way off here but i'm looking at this guy he's 40 to 1 he's the current money leader on the outlaw tour first of all he has eight top tens this year, and his last five starts include uh, no worse than an eleventh place finish and a win in that span. So I'm like, I don't know if he's actually is not as good as as his results are showing, and that's why he's forty to one, or like something's going on. Like if he's just mispriced, but I took the bait and I bet Wielden at forty.
1: Uh, I did the exact same thing as you, Rick. Nice. I, I saw. I saw 40. He's been priced with you know the Paul brothers with Nick Mason, Jimmy Gunn, like he if he was 20, 25 to one in this field, um I wouldn't have thought twice. So I did I did jump on 40. Um he finished pretty well. I think he shot five under to close last week, so I like to see that. Um he just you know the the money leading thing as nice as it, as it is to see. Um you could be the money leader just by playing every week. Uh, so that kind of, it skews it, but it does, you know, it it means that he is, he did win recently. So that's kind of nice. Um, but I think he's played the most events or the most rounds on the outlaw tour. So, um, it's funny you bring that that up
0: because that is actually, you know, what that reminds me of is when you are like the minor league home run leader. Which is, yeah, like, you don't
1: want that stat.
0: You don't want that, right? <laughs> yeah, because these guys, I mean, even the, the Outlaw Tour itself says, hey, we're a spring training, you know, for other tours. Like, you should want to be graduating. You should want to be getting out, playing somewhere else. So, the fact that you're, you know, playing every event might be out of necessity. But, yeah, the, the minor league home run leader is like the best analogy that I can make for the Outlaw Tour money leader, right?
1: Yeah, Wielden could be like the Sung JM of the Outlaw Tour. Just <laughs> every week he's out here collecting a, some some remnants of a paycheck. Um, he does play on the McKenzie tour. Um, he's a Canadian guy, so that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, I just, he just mispriced this week, I think. And, uh, even Will Bateman who won a few weeks ago too at 40 to one is a nice price too. So this is kind of what I, I avoided the top just because of some of these favorites that we were seeing last week who now are a little more enticing with 40 to fifty one fifty 50 to one numbers.
0: Anything lower than this, I started to get a little gun-shy. I mean, there's a couple of names that I had recognized over the past couple of weeks, like Kyle Slattery is here at 50-1. to 1. He's I know he was popular on DraftKings, I want to say maybe two weeks ago. Matt Gerska is here at 40-1. to 1. These are names that I recognize, and I know that they're playing on the Outlaw Tour, but I was a little nervous to go any deeper than this. Do, do you have anybody else that uh, kind of jumps off at you here below, I don't know, 40 or 50?
1: Um, I grabbed... You just you mentioned his name already, uh, Mitchell Carlson. He one of my favorite stats, which is a stat that um, we don't really keep track of on the PGA tour, but the Outlaw tour does. It's most par breakers, and yeah. I think that's a good one for DraftKings scoring specifically. Um, Carlson led the field last week in birdies with fourteen, um, which is exactly what you're looking for from a, a DK scoring. And you know, eighty to one is he just needs two rounds of you know eight under, and you can hang on for the win so i don't mind that price it's you know, a bit of a gamble there's definitely way more talent in this field than the last few weeks but it's still a number that usually you're not supposed to be looking at law tour i just found it was pretty intriguing for me usually these guys are like you wouldn't even think twice about 100 to one guy in an outlaw tour field
0: Uh, well then it really kind of drops off. So I think then, you know, the books know what we know, which is, you know, you, you pay your couple hundred bucks and and you're in this event because you see some super long odds for like half the field that are below 100 to one, 300 to one. There's guys that are, they look like they're a thousand to one down here at the bottom of this, at the bottom of this sheet. But there are a couple of, um, let's clear this one up. Thomas Layman, uh, who is 300 to one is not Tom Lehman. That's his son,
1: right? That's his son. Yeah. And there's another Lehman, Sean Lehman comes and plays some of these as well. So you do, you'll see a few names of old PGA tour pros. Their last names are out here. I guess, I think there's, there's Sam Triplett, which is the son of Kirk Triplett. Um, there's a few others. It's kind of funny to see that, you know, their kids are out here grinding too.
0: Jennifer Cupcho, who won the Augusta National Women's Am, I believe it was, uh, her brother's out here. So there are, yeah, there are last names that you'll recognize. There's Joseph Yuzchek, which I wonder <laughs> if he is related to, what is it, the fullback for
1: whatever team? The 49ers, yeah. 49ers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the only last name I recognize down here. It's, oh, he's a football player, but he's not. He's, uh, yeah. He played a few weeks ago. He was, I don't know, he made a lot of birdies, but I think he missed the cut. I do. Uh, you mentioned Cup Cho. Um, there's an event going on right now. If you follow a, a case of the a golf one, the Monday Q info, um, there's an event going on right now in Arizona that doesn't have any live updates or anything, but Chayka was winning, but Cup Cho was in one of the last few groups. So that's kind of interesting to pay attention to. Um, I can show you those results after or retweet them or something, but it'll be interesting to see how that tournament finishes out.
0: Well, that's at EPAT Golf on Twitter for that information. So, Eric, I mean, mini tour, it seems like, you know, the Outlaw Tour kind of extended their schedule. The Cactus Tour seemed to be amping up a little bit. I mean, are we just going to get a bunch of mini tour golf in Arizona until the PGA Tour comes back?
1: Did you – See that field for the Scottsdale Open in a couple of weeks?
0: No, tell me about it. Oh
1: my goodness. Uh Joel Damon, Kevin Streelman, wow. uh all of these guys will be in it. There's definitely a few other names that I'm missing, but um it's like it's not run by the outlaw tour, but I'm I'm sure they'll have coverage of it. It's uh I think it's in 2 weeks, so it's going to be there's going to be a lot of people talking about it. Um and I mean, Spawn's plan, I think as soon as the PGA Tour starts to get closer we'll see more of these guys playing in mini tours mm. i saw that the uh there's a, a couple tours in florida that were shut down because courses closed but now i guess courses are open again so they're going to start ramping up too and we know how many pga tour pros are floating around down in florida so we could see them kind of come parade parading in onto these mini tours and stealing checks away from guys who actually need them
0: okay that part's crazy but i guess it makes complete sense that Yeah, we are in in an unprecedented time of when these guys need to get their competitive juices flowing and they need to find tours to play. They are going to invade some of these places. And you mentioned it. My quick Google search shows, yes, the Scottsdale-Arizona Open – is May 11th to the 14th. So that's like, yeah, two weeks from now, Joel Damon won it in 2017. So he's going to go back and try to win it again. It sounds like he
1: he's going back for more. And I saw that Pat Perez is like one of the organizers. So maybe he'll jump in there with his set of clubs. Who knows? But um it's something to look forward to. I mean, golf's golf in my eyes. It's obviously it's, a, it's a little more fun to do the research. Actually, you know, I'm messaging PGA tour caddies. I'm following guys on Instagram. It's just, uh it's a, uh, it's, what we've adapted to in these weird, weird times. Yeah.
0: And they're actually answering, right? You get these guys who yeah, are actually like, answering. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm talking to these guys who were playing in the event. It just kind of, you know, I wouldn't be messaging Justin Thomas on a, on a week when he's playing. So it's, <sighs> these guys like the attention. I think they, they enjoy the extra eyeballs. So it's, it's definitely fun.
0: I love it. Um, Eric, that is going to do it, uh, for us this week. Thank you so much for coming on and talking mini tour golf with us. Um, <laughs> we might have to have you back for, for some of these events that are coming up, but thank you so much, man.
1: Uh, yeah. I appreciate you having me on. I mean, I'd, I don't want to keep talking about it, but if it's all we have to do, I, I'll, I'll certainly do it anytime you need me. That's awesome.
0: Uh, Eric Patterson, that's at ePatGolf golf on Twitter is where you can find him. Also, uh, we're doing a listener mailbag episode at the end of the week. So get your questions in, uh, tweet them at me at Rick Rungood, but more importantly, tweet them at first cut pod. So we can have them all in one nice spot and we can go through all of those questions, uh, or, When you go, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, make it a five-star review, leave your questions. We'll get to as many as we can. That'll do it for this episode of The First Cut, and we'll talk to you next time.